myself and Tim Albrino uh, just had ourselves about an hour-long conversation about something interesting going on in Peru. I'm uh, just going to turn it right over to Tim, and we're going to talk about a alien threat or an attack by gray aliens that's happening in Peru. We got some information on it. We're going to cover it, kind of walk our way through this, so bear with us. Tim, you want to describe what it is that we're going to be going over? Yeah, as you said, you and I were just having a casual conversation about uh, the events that have been transpiring in Peru over the last couple of weeks. And we decided let's turn on the cameras and record this conversation because this is, uh, I think it's quite compelling, actually. Um, I'm not 100% sure what to make of it yet, but it is very compelling for several reasons. And um, I can set the stage here. And then I know you want to show some videos that we were discussing, but to, to set the stage, uh, something very strange is happening in the Peruvian Amazon, specifically uh, in the village of San Antonio, which is in the Amazon jungle. It's in the district of Alto Nanay, northwest of the city of Iquitos. That's serious jungle. How do I know that serious jungle? Because I have spent a lot of time precisely in that region of the jungle. These are the these are members of the Ikitu tribe, Ikitu, I-K-I-T-U, Ikitu tribe. And uh, there aren't many members, only a couple of thousand members of this tribe, and this is part of their territory there in the Alto Nanay. They have a village, and this village has been, apparently, according to these villagers, has been attacked repeatedly over the span of a couple of weeks at least. So this incident has been ongoing, uh, I think the news is just now breaking about it. And by the way, what, what we're about to talk about is all over the Peruvian news, all over mainstream Peruvian news. I've been watching mainstream Peruvian news for the last two days, and they're covering it in a very interesting manner. They're, they're covering it in a, in a serious way. Um, and I would even use the word grave. I mean, they're, they're very almost as if they're frightened by by what they're talking about. So it's the, the Peruvian news is, is not joking about this. RPP Noticias and, and La Repubblica and different Peruvian newspapers and news outlets are taking this very seriously. So, uh, as I said, this is occurring in the village of San Antonio uh, with the Iquitu tribe. So they've been apparently under assault during the night by entities let's call them we don't know what they are we don't know if they're human beings dressed in costumes we don't know if they're alien entities but the villagers are calling them extraterrestrials in fact uh, the villagers are specifically calling them pelacaras which means the face peelers and we'll get into that uh, after i finish describing what's been occurring so uh, apparently during the night, this particular village has been, um, let's, let's say, terrorized by a group of very strange entities. These things are about according, and, and I'm just going to give a, a um, ex, I'm going to give a, a brief uh, explanation of what the villagers themselves, a brief summary rather, of what the villagers themselves have been saying. They're, they're being attacked by these seven foot tall entities. The entities have bulbous heads. Um, their eyes have been described in various ways. 
Um, they are dressed in very strange bodysuits, silver. They've been described as armored and silver. So silver armored bodysuits is the way that they're being described. Um, these entities actually attempted to abduct a 15-year-old girl, but the girl managed to break loose from their hands and escape. And the struggle resulted in lacerations on her neck. And there are there's footage and, and images of this uh, of this young lady, and indeed she has lacerations on her neck in the photos and and video. Um, she was also after the encounter was in a state of shock for a few hours. Like she couldn't talk. She was in a complete state of shock. She was absolutely terrified. All of the villagers are are terrified, uh, terrorized. Really, I think is the appropriate term here. Um, the beings are described as having uh, footwear with discs on the bottom with a red light emanating from the heel portion of the footwear. And these discs apparently allow these beings to lift off the ground and float through the jungle about a meter off the ground. And apparently they can also lift off into the air um, through the agency of, these, of this technology they're wearing on their feet. Again, according to the villagers. Um, and as you'll see in the in the in the videos that we're going to play, the villagers actually they're they they shoot at these entities with rifles and shotguns. And a couple of the villagers said they they hit them, they shot right at it, but it didn't do anything to these entities. They just disappear or they or they take off. Um, so that's it in brief i would i should also say that the villagers the reason why this came to the news that that it's gotten first it had it, it got national coverage in peru and now international and the reason why is because the villagers were demanding demanding that the navy intervene the navy okay this is a village on a river in the alto nanay and uh, we'll show a map in a little bit um, and so they're demanding that the Navy come up, and that's why they want the Navy, because the Navy can get there uh, quickly. There's a Navy base not far from that area. And so they're demanding that the Navy come and intervene and protect their village. They're, they're saying they're not, they're not getting any sleep. They're, they're staying awake all night. Um, and so the whole story is, is actually very compelling. And again, I want to reiterate how this is being covered in Peru. It is not being covered as, as a joke as a farce, as a hoax. The manner in which this story is being covered by the national press is, is, is very serious. So I think that encapsulates what's been happening. Again, I think the time frame here is the end of July, the last couple of weeks of July is when this, and I think uh, it, it, it's the last occurrence happened about five days ago, I think, or at least the very, the very end of July. So this isn't something that happened yesterday. In fact, the, the, the Peruvian Navy did indeed respond and the police and the Navy are on the scene right now investigating. And they, they've been there for a couple of days. And so that's what's been happening. And it's, it's, it's very um, remarkable. It, um, in, in light of uh, the, the Vegas incident that, that occurred in the United States, I, was that, Last, last month, I believe, we talked about it, you and I, and uh, Dave Hodges, we discussed that Vegas incident, I believe the very night 
of, of the occurrence. And so as you and I were talking, it seemed appropriate to jump back on and, and discuss this, uh, this occurrence, this incident as well, especially since I have some familiarity with this, uh, with this area of the jungle and some very strange things have happened to me in this region as well. I don't think I'm going to go into the details of those strange things tonight, but that I have a connection to this region of the jungle. So it's, it's when I, I didn't know where it was at first. And so I, I started investigating and watched the news, um, the media uh, coverage, the Peruvian media coverage of the incident. And I realized as they were talking, I realized that my God, I've been, I've been in the neighborhood of where, of where this occurred and perhaps is continuing to occur. So Doug, why don't you go ahead and play uh, a video so that people can see some of the footage and, and, uh, and you're going to hear some guys talking and, and that's, I'm, I, I've already reiterated uh, what they're describing. Do you want to start with the Phil Schneider or you want to go straight to the other one? No, let's go straight to the incident, the videos of the incident that was captured by the, by the villagers. And in the video, by the way, uh, one of the guys who happens to be the tribal leader of that village, um, he is describing these entities, these beings, as, um, as I said, they're in bodysuits, silver bodysuits that appear to have some sort of armoring. And so he, he likens them to the Green Goblin from the Spider-Man, uh, from the Spider-Man movie. And... And he talks about masks. They talk about these beings wearing masks, but I don't think that's actually what uh, what's going on here. I think that uh, it, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in 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 a in another video we're going to show. All right, so go ahead and play this one. Desesperados se defienden contra un atacante que desconocen. So here they are, actively shooting at these beings, filming it on a cell phone. Se trata de habitantes de la tribu Iquitu del distrito de Alto Nanay en Loreto, quienes denuncian ser víctimas de violentos ataques por parte de seres desconocidos. Necesitamos apoyo para nuestra comunidad. Los niños This is the village leader. The tribal leader of the village here. He says they're extra they're extraterrestrials and then he's describing how they're dressed. He said he shoot he shot at them, but but they don't fall down. So they just get up and then they they lift off into the air. So here you see the police showed up and then some other videos you'll see the navy. He's talking about how they have like discs on the bottom of their shoes, and they they elevate off the ground, and they have a red 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 light uh, emanating from the bottom of these discs. And there, here's the 15 year old girl. Go ahead and play that. Doug. There's the 15 year old girl. They're blo they're blurring her face, but there she is. So go ahead and pause right there, um, Doug. So in this is this particular news report. They're blurring her face, but I've got some news reports here that I've been watching where they don't blur her face, and you can clearly see her neck is. She has last a last a couple lacerations on her neck. You can kind of see it in this video. You see the red. You can see the blur. Yeah. Yeah, there's blood there and there's uh, some sort of bandaging there on her neck. Uh, 
Let me ask uh, you something. Have you ever heard of any type of attack or or wound? Yes, yes. I'm, we're going to get into we're going to get into that in a minute. But um, so you can see the blood. You can see the bandaging. Apparently, she was physically grabbed by one of these beings. And and uh, I also heard one of the guys from the village describe these beings. Uh, this isn't the first encounter they've had with these beings. We're gonna, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, sometimes they encounter them wearing dark cloaks with hoods, and they they attack at night. And they're trying to uh, they try to grab people at nighttime, and and they're described as. <laughs> I don't like to use movie references, but they're described as almost like the the, the predator from the movie uh where you can see them and then suddenly they sort of almost go totally transparent but you can still sort of see them there but they're they just blend into the jungle so it's some sort of a cloaking technology that these villagers are describing now let me say right out right right off the bat here as we begin this discussion i don't know what to make of this i'm not here saying and i know doug's not here saying that that we believe these people are being attacked by extraterrestrials and and that we're 100 percent certain that they're telling the truth um i i mean we can't know that we're way over here and i'm way over here up in montana very far away from this area and all i can do is sit here and read the uh read the news articles and watch the the videos in the peruvian press however however i do have a lot of experience with these tribal peoples from this specific region in peru not this particular village mind you but all around that village i've been all through there okay i've been in this jungle and again have had very very strange things happen to me uh, in this jungle so I, do you have the map that i sent you uh the map link you can pull up okay so can you zoom in on that map or is that a picture do you have it as a picture okay good so i want you to zoom in on the word masan do you see it right in the middle of the screen down right there right here. you see that word masan go ahead and zoom in there all right so but and lower that lower it down a little bit okay zoom out just a little bit i want to see the city of iquitos so there's iquitos you see iquitos on the bottom you see my you see Iquitos and you see Indiana and then you see Masan to the left uh, of Indiana. Now the reason why I'm highlighting this is because I I've spent a lot of time in Masan and Iquitos as well, but I've spent a lot of time in Masan. In fact, I had a nickname when I lived in this area of the jungle. My nickname was Masan. Some people called me the lion of Masan for various reasons. So um you see Masan, you see the river that branches up to the northwest from Masan. That is the that is the famous Napo River. And there's a lot of headhunter tribes and a lot of uh, historical uh, intrigue up there, up that river. Now, zoom in on Masan. You're going to see when you zoom in, this, so Masan's a little village. Now, you see this river that branches off the left here. Follow that river. You see Santa Teresa, and it goes over to La, uh, Libertad on the on the Masan River. So there's a town there called Libertad. It's not even a town. That's not the right way to say it. It's a community called Libertad. It's very, very small. Uh, I spent a lot of time with those people. I have good friends that live there. They're 
they, they're hunters and they're just uh, villagers there in Libertad. Now, that river, you see how it juts up to the northwest? I've been all the way to the top of that thing. So deep, deep, deep into the jungle. That's a malaria red zone, by the way. Um, if you zoom out from there, and I've been to the left, so I've been up that river and off to the left down a tributary that's not even not not doesn't even show up on this map because it's uh, it's not big enough to be seen from the satellite. Uh, this is uncharted territory. That it's it's really uncharted jungle up there. In fact. Um, uh, if you look at it on certain maps, you won't even see the river. It only goes so far here on certain maps. Now, uh, zoom out a little bit, and you're going to see what's right to the left of it. Go ahead and zoom, zoom out. Right to the left, this highlighted area, this dark heart, that's Nanai. That's the district of Nanai. Okay, that's where this incident happened. Now, I have been inside of Nanai. Um, uh, I went up there. We canoed deep into the jungle up in that region uh, on a particular on a particular expedition, um, but I actually spent a lot of time up the River Masan. And there's nobody up there. I mean, that up there, River Masan, you only have, uh, you have uh, madereros who are lumberjacks, basically, illegal, illegal lumberjacks, and you probably have some drug traffickers, and I've run into both. Um, but look how close the River Masan is to the region of Nanai. And, the, and again, the region of Nanai is highlighted here. It's the darker highlighted area. That whole area is the region of Nanai. Um, and, and the main city of Iquitos is there to the to the right of that region. You fly into Iquitos. You cannot, Iquitos is only accessible uh, via airplane or boat. There's no road that goes to Iquitos. It's literally in the middle of the jungle. And that is, by the way, officially where the Amazon River starts. Okay. So that's just a little bit of uh, geo, um, a geospatial context here. Uh, and if you zoom out, you'll see where we are in Peru. Go ahead and zoom out. So we are in the northeast part of Peru in the Amazon Basin. That is Amazon jungle, that main river branching off there to the right, that's the Amazon River, okay? So I have a lot of history in that area. And that's why this story is so intriguing to me for two reasons. First and foremost, because of my own experiences out there. I did not experience these particular entities or anything like what these villagers experienced. I had a completely different kind of scenario unfold. However, I am very, very familiar with the legends and the stories that are told of the, of the cryptids and the other kind of creatures that are encountered in, that, in the jungle in general, but specifically in that area as well. And again, throughout the jungle, these stories are, are ubiquitous throughout the Peruvian Amazon, probably into the Brazilian Amazon as well, but I'm sure that the nomenclature changes when you cross the border. So there's a particular uh, legend, let's call it. Um, it's more than a legend because it's not something that is, uh, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not an old tale. It's not, it's not a story about something that happened a long time ago. So legend isn't really the appropriate term. It's more of an ongoing myth, a living myth, let's call it, an active myth uh, concerning these entities that are called pelacaras, pelacaras. And pelacara means face peelers, pelacaras, face peelers. 
So that's face and then peeler with a P, like, like as if you're peeling the skin off of a face. That's what these entities are called. And the people are terrified of them. Why? Because apparently these entities, every now and again, in the jungle, abduct villagers and mutilate them. And their bodies are discovered, oftentimes, with all or portions of their face totally ripped off of their skull. And that's why they're called Pelacaras. Um, and I believe, if I remember the legend correctly, let's, again, the, the myth, the, the mythos correctly, uh, they, they usually abduct adolescents, but I, 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 I don't know if I remember that exactly right. But, but these, if you go into the jungle, the Amazon, especially in this region, and you start asking people about the Pelacaras, they've all got stories. They, they've all seen the Pelacaras, and they know about people who've been, uh, who've been killed by these entities. Um, and so these villagers, when you read the news articles and you, again, you listen to the commentary on the, by the, 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 the proving coverage of the, of this incident in the media, these villagers and the other native peoples around this area that they're interviewing are saying that these are pelacadas that attack them, face peelers, and that the pelacadas are extraterrestrials again that's not timothy albino saying that and, I, and i'm not and i'm not trying to affirm that that's the case i'm just telling you and relating to you what they say pelacadas are extraterrestrials that come and abduct people no what makes this very interesting here in the jungle because as you all know i'm 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 let's say well read in the abduction material what makes this very distinct from your typical abduction scenario that, that's happening all over the world to millions of people every day, every night, is that the Pelacadas, these abductions are brutal. These abductions are brutal. So we have in the United States, and Doug, we've talked about this, and you've experienced this firsthand, we have cattle mutilations in which uh, someone's cow, let's say, is is discovered in the field, totally mutilated, but mutilated in a very interesting way, not by animals, not by, de not by deprivation, not by animals. Rather, they're mutilated in a very surgical way. And uh, we've gone through that before. We don't have to go into all those details. But sometimes, in fact, I would say oftentimes, these cattle are discovered with a side of their the skin on their face gone peeled off, apparently, like surgically removed, so that all you see is the bone structure. You see the jaw, you see the teeth, you see the bone structure, but no flesh. And so that leads us into this next video. Why don't you go ahead and play that next video, Doug? Yeah, this is about to get wild. And so this, now, before we play this video, I cannot find the, I don't know what the origin of this video is. I don't even know to be honest, I don't even know what the context of the of the video is. Um, it purports to be a video that was filmed in 2023 this year, and and from Loreto, Peru. So Loreto, by the way, is the the state in which this occurred. So it purports to be from this year in the same in the same department, the same state. 
where this village is located. So go ahead and play that. So what you're looking at here are two Peruvian, they look like uh, two gentlemen who, who either are police or civilian police or something, maybe detectives, their, their vests say police, and they're taking the banana leaves off of this man who's lying on the bank of a river. And I think we determined that he was deposited there for the police. So they're removing these banana leaves, which people used to cover him. You're going to see why people covered him his head with banana leaves in a moment. Again, those are their their um, their vests say police. So let's assume those are Peruvian police. Now they're picking him up and look at his head. It is bereft of skin. At least I'd say three quarters of it, if not almost the entirety of his face is gone. Not partially gone, completely gone. And you'll see if you back up a little bit, uh, Doug, because I think that's where, well, there he is laying on the ground. So let's see. Um, is that the end of the video? Yeah, yeah it just, just plays. Okay, so back up. And you're going to notice that his face was removed with surgical, surgical precision around the neck there. You see that there's a circular cut around the neck. Now, is this video real? Is it authentic or is it photoshopped or, or edited in some way? I don't know, but I think it'd be very difficult to edit this video because you're looking at somebody's cell phone footage. So we're looking at somebody's cell phone, a Peruvian villager cell phone that they captured, presumably. And, and there's a lot of movement. You see the mo all the movement, look, they drop him. The police officer falls and drops him. I mean, it, it doesn't look like a prosthetic to me, and it does not look like CGI. Now, again, I don't know what the, what the context is of this video, but I'm going to guess that this has something to do with the pelacaras. And when they say, when these Peruvian people call these beings pelacaras, I think we're looking at why they call them the face peelers. Again, this is allegedly this happened this year and is from the same general region of Peru where these where this village was attacked. It's really quite disturbing. Well, you can see that there's it appears to be rigor mortis has set in. Yes. I, I've seen my share of dead bodies. Um, if even the the movement right there, you can see the spine articulating. Yes. If this was a movie prop, uh, my hat's off to you. That is the most convincing movie prop I've ever seen. But you can tell that the guy has weight to him. This guy right here, the policia, he he slips coming up the embankment. If this was going to be a movie, um, it was shot very poorly. Um, but we have not been able to discern yet if this is a movie, if it's a spoof. Um, that seems to be... A dead man i've i've seen my share of that i have never seen an injury like this i've seen people blown apart lacerated um when i worked in federal prisons i've seen people stabbed up gutted half their face cut off before um but there's you know it seems like he has been assanguated there's no 
blood. blood. There's no blood coming out of anywhere. Look, the face will bleed more than almost anything else because the hundreds of capillaries that are all over the face and there is no flesh anywhere. There's no burn marks from what we can see on here. And you can even see the scalp line where the fatty tissue is. Exactly. And the way the neck articulates as, as they're moving. I mean, it takes three men to move a dead body. That's, that's fairly accurate. A, a person who's completely, you know, limp is a very, very heavy weight. And what we guess is that someone came down the river, uh, deposited this man along the side of the river for the police to then go and collect. And this is most likely the uh, criminal investigators who are here. I can say that the vi- I, I, we can confirm that this particular video was uploaded There's to the YouTube. corner. Right. There he is. Yeah. This particular video was uploaded, was uploaded to YouTube on August 2nd. So this may be very recent and it may in fact be directly related to the incident in the village. These villagers were being terrorized by these ostensibly extraterrestrial beings. I mean, that's just, (laughs) that is uh, very grotesque. I've never seen anything like that before. And Again, this illustrates this illustrates why they call these entities Pela Caras, the face peelers. And I think we are in my in my opinion, again, I for all we know, this could be a hoax. I don't know. Yeah. But yes. my gut feeling is that this is not a hoax. This is real. And we are looking at a human mutilation as opposed to a cattle mutilation. We are looking at a human mutilation. I want to say that he appears to have some sort of of a burn here on his right shoulder yeah and bruising along his left that you can see from the chest to the shoulder it almost looks like this arm was out of socket but the body moves really weird whenever it's it's limp and dead um so there's there's some sort of another injury you can see the color tone right here is different if it if it was hit by a radiation i I mean I, i can only speculate um, I don't know of any instrument that can do this. I mean, that steam would do that. Um, steam can melt you right down to the bone, but that would be a you know a third degree burn. And even so, you would still see blackening, possibly. You would still see blackening along the epidermis. And you're not really seeing that. You can see where most likely this is a pool of blood where he's been laying down at when the body is um when the body dies, the blood will pool wherever the body is laying flat at. All right. So you can see most likely this is where the blood was pooling at in the body. And like I said, it's some sort of an injury right here. So if something came and hit him like this or from right here, but once again, that's a cut right here. Well, what we're looking at, as I said, it's a human mutilation. Just think cattle mutilation, but done to a human being. That's, I believe what we're looking at now. Um, there's extra compression going on through here through Zoom. The video is actually a little bit clearer on YouTube. So there's some extra compression going on. Um, and people say, well, why is it so pixelated and so forth? Because because we have a we have a crappy cell phone filming another crappy cell phone. That's why. So you're looking at you're looking at uh, an image that isn't very high res to begin with that was apparently filmed by a Peruvian, and I can and I say a Peruvian because I can see her sitting there. You can see her feet here in the 
in the video, she's sitting there showing somebody footage that, again, presumably either she took or somebody else took and showed it to her. Um, so this is quite astounding. Again, we don't know if this is real. This could, for all we know, this could be a movie prop. Somebody's going to say, oh, this is from a movie and put a link in the comments. Okay. Um, but I think, again, to illustrate what we mean by what the, what the, these jungle folk mean by pelacaras, I think we're looking at what they mean by the face peelers. This is at, at the very least, I think, a good illustration of, of what face peelers do. And very, we very well may, to, to reiterate, we very well may be looking at the result of an attack by a so-called pelacara, face peeler. So let's talk about some other things that are, are very, very intriguing regarding this incident that happened in this village in Alto Nanay. Um, one thing that stood out to me right away when I began to research this incident is that the villagers are claiming that these entities are over two meters tall. Uh, specifically, they, they're describing them as being around seven feet tall. Um, so uh, that rings a bell immediately because we, we just we referenced the Vegas incident. The, in the during that Vegas incident that happened last month, I believe it was last month. Correct? No, it was the end of May, was it not? The last the the very last day the night of of May, I believe, is when it occurred. Right. Um, the first hours of of June, I think, is when that happened. Um, and those people described very tall alien beings and i think the one kid said 10 feet tall another one said eight um i saw some footage from the vegas event by the way the jury's out in my mind on the vegas event and the vegas incident i don't know if those if those guys were telling the truth i don't know if they were embellishing if they were confabulating but i'm just going to tell you my gut feeling is that they're telling the truth and that there was some sort of a non-human entity stalking around uh, in their backyard. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that there is a particular, and I wish we had it ready to queue up here, but uh, we didn't want to bother to take time to find it, but I'm sure many of you have seen this already. There is a particular video um, ex the, that has been extracted from the news channels video that they took. And remember, they were walking to the backyard uh, during this news broadcast, they're walking into the backyard with these gentlemen who who called the who called nine one one about these uh, aliens in their backyard. So they're walking into the backyard and they shut the cameras off. And before they shut the cameras off, you can see the forklift. This isn't like a regular backyard with grass. These people apparently work on cars or something, so they have sort of a uh, looks like a almost like a um, an enclosure with a with gravel on the ground and they have a forklift back there and some other some other things and you can see the forklift in the background now i want to there's two things i want to i want to um i want people to jettison from their minds right away don't think about that fake cgi you know uh alleged camera footage of that alien creature that that was totally fake cgi garbage um, and don't think about the video of the up close of the, the fence with allegedly uh, uh, an alien creature looking through the cracks or whatever. 
I'm not referencing those two videos. There's another video where somebody zooms in on the forklift and you can see now is the, is the video real? I don't know. Is there CGI in there? Was it edited? I don't know, but you can see a large gray alien being sort of ducking behind the forklift, but you can clearly see his bulbous head and black eyes. And you can see his head move. Um, I don't have a link to that video. We don't have it to queue up right now. But maybe some of you have seen it. If not, I would go look for it because it's, it's the most compelling video of that whole incident, the Vegas incident. You can see a gray alien. And that being, when I'm looking at the forklift and in my head, I was watching it with my wife and I said, that looks like a seven-foot-tall gray alien. That's exactly what I deduced. It looks like it's about seven feet tall, maybe seven and a half feet tall, maximum eight. It's a very tall gray alien. Now, that's strange to a lot of people because you all hear me talk about gray aliens all the time. And we, we know that gray aliens, one of the distinguishing features of a gray alien is its diminutive stature. They're small. They're three to four feet tall or three and a half to four feet tall. And they have the bulbous, uh, rather the bulbous heads, the almond-shaped eyes, and so forth. They have this the long fingers, three fingers, and um, and and the interesting thing here is with the Vegas incident is we're looking at what appears to be a gray alien, but but seven foot tall gray alien with the same characteristics, the same features, the bulbous head, the almond-shaped eyes, but much much larger three times the size of a typical gray alien. Now that's interesting. That's interesting. Obviously it correlates here to what these villagers are saying they, they saw in this jungle village that, it, that was terrorizing them, attacking them, attacked this 15-year-old girl. But it's also interesting because the late Phil Schneider talks about these beings in detail, these exact beings tall grays that were living under the ground when he was building an underground base, um, when he was uh, an engineer on, on a project. Um, I believe it was under Los Alamos National Laboratory. They were building an underground base there. So we can show that video in a, in a couple minutes. But before we do that, um, let's return to the village in the Alto Nanay. And let's look at that other video this video i think is the most astounding video and it, and it in my mind it correlates directly to the vegas incident video because i think we're looking at the very same species here the very same class of beings and we will discuss in a little bit what we think these beings may be or at least the options but let's take a look at this video if you can cue that one up so just to give some context this is another night when they're being attacked by these what they're calling <laughs> There is where we zoomed in earlier. Eye, eye, and what we think is the head, right here. Yeah, so, okay, so so what we're so what we're looking at in this video, you have a lot of agitated villagers and a, and a dog or two in here. These guys are genuinely agitated. And, and terrified, okay? You can hear it in their voices. I can understand what they're saying in Spanish. This is the jungle lingo. This is the kind of Spanish I speak really well. So uh, what's really amazing about this video, yes, it's blurry. 
Yes, it's pixelated, okay? But keep in mind that these people living in the jungle, they've upgraded the smartphones by this time, but they've got the cheapest smartphones on the market. They're not walking around with your Apple iPhone, okay? These guys are buying Chinese knockoff phones that can barely capture video. That's why you're looking at such low resolution. And anybody who says, how come there's not a ton of video? Because not everybody in this little village, uh, these Ikitu natives, even have phones, okay? So there's probably only a, a, a small percentage of, of them who even have smartphones, okay? So when you play this video again, what you hear in the beginning is you hear a man yell, there it is, there it is, as they're flashing the flashlight right on it. And they're also... They're trying to get the dogs in the backyard here as well. You can hear them saying, get them in the, put them in the huerta, put them in the huerta. And uh, the dog, because the dog is obviously irate. And so the people are, are stunned, they're terrified, and they're shouting, there it is, there it is. And they're literally putting a flashlight on something. Now, what exactly that something is, is anyone's guess, but it is a something and it is moving. And you can see if you, especially again, this is highly compressed because of Zoom, but you can see um, in some of these frames, you can see two eyes and a bulbous head. Right there, you can see you can see an eye, you can see the right eye there and the top of the head. Now, this let's assume that what we're looking at here is a tall gray alien, a seven foot tall gray alien. The same thing that I described previously that was hiding behind the forklift in the video from the Vegas incident. Let's assume for a moment that that's exactly what we're looking at. If you look at that Vegas incident video and you look at this video and you take a good look at it frame by frame, you are going to see the same creature. This is the same, I'm not saying this is the exact same entity, but this is, let's, let's call it the same species. If in fact these videos are real, we are looking at the same species tall gray aliens that are around seven foot tall but with the same typical features of the small grays the bulbous heads the 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 almond shaped black eyes and in fact doug i don't know if you have the time step stamp but it appears that we can even see uh some shine from the from one of the eyes right there you can see that was it that was actually a very good still you could see the two eyes and the head and by the way the head is is slightly moving from side to side you can see it slightly moving from side to side now a lot of people are going to have right there that's a good there's right there that's a very good you can see the bottom of the face and the two eyes the two almond shaped eyes in the in the top of the head there right now this being is hiding behind foliage so they're flashing a flashlight up into the trees and this being is ducking behind foliage he's probably floating there okay and he's ducking behind foliage so that you see him through the leaves. You're seeing branches of trees and foliage around him. So don't think that this whole green blob is the being that they're pointing out. No, rather, there you can see his head behind the foliage. And again, if you watch the video very, very carefully and closely, you will see his head move side to side slightly and up and down, slightly up and down. There, he just looked down. You see? He, he looked straight again. Did you see that, Doug? He looked down a little bit. Yep. 
Okay, now people may think, oh, you're just, I don't see anything, you're just making this up. Well, keep in mind, again, I've seen the, un, the I've seen the, a less compressed um, footage of this. Again, Zoom is adding some additional compression here. Um, you want to see to the me, still photos? To me, it's clear as day that, that, that this is some, some, let's just say this, something moving behind the, that foliage. It's something is there moving. And it appears to me to be the head of a large gray alien. That's my opinion. I could be wrong, but it appears to me to be the head of a large gray alien. And it looks very similar to what I described in the Vegas incident footage. Okay, seven foot tall gray alien. Now, um, why don't we go to the uh, well, before the Phil Schneider clip? I want I want to go show ahead. this the still photos. So this is what we were able to screen capture. This is the foliage that was in front of it. Yeah, that's there's the foliage. There's the, there's the, the eye. That's, eye. There's the, there you go. Two eyes, bottom of the head, bottom of the mouth. You can almost see Doug the the circular. You see sort of like the oval-shaped head where it's sort of going down there. You can see sort of there's a line there. There's sort of a shadow. Do you see? Go back to that picture. Go back to the other one that we're looking at. Do you see? You can sort of see right there. You can sort of see the outline of the bottom of the face. Now, zooming in doesn't help. But this entity looks, as I said, very much like <clears throat> the one at the Vegas incident. I would say identical. But also, also, it looks... I, again, I'll use the word identical, to the beings that were captured in the most convincing and compelling UFO footage I've ever seen, which was captured by Dr. Lair and another gentleman, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Doug, and I don't, people are going to correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, I believe it was captured in Turkey. Yes. And I think people know the, the video I'm referring to, there's a, there's a craft hovering above the, the sea, and you, and, and they zoom in, they're filming, and they weren't, looking for aliens at night they're doing something else they zoom in they, they happen to capture this they zoom into it and you can see three beings and the beings look precisely like what you're looking at right now on our screen this is part of the eye there shot. he is he's looking down there you see yeah. slightly yeah. looking down there He's looking down into his left, and this one he's looking more straight, straight on at us. Okay. Now again, some people are going to criticize me and say, "No, you're just you have a wild imagination. There's nothing there. It's just a a green blob of nothing." Um, but these uh, understand that these Peruvian jungle people are absolutely terrified. Okay. They this is not a staged scene. These people are not acting. They are in a state of panic and terror. And remember, they were shooting at these things with uh, rifles and, and uh, shotguns, okay? And they described them in great detail. So I referenced earlier that uh, the gentleman, the, the tribal leader of the Ikitu people there in, in the village of San Antonio, in Alto Nanay, described these beings as wearing masks, these extraterrestrials as wearing masks. I don't believe that they're wearing masks. Rather, I think that he's mistaking the typical gray alien face with the long almond-shaped eyes, the large almond-shaped eyes. He's mistaking that for a mask because these people are not going to be really familiar with ufology. They're, they know about UFOs, ovnis, UFOs, but but they're not, they're not going to be familiar with the details of gray aliens or anything like that. So I think they're assuming that these beings are wearing masks. 
Um, when in reality, I think they're looking at the typical gray alien face there. Um, so let's go ahead and listen to some of Phil Schneider's testimony, which again, so what I'm doing here for the audience, I'm trying to correlate three separate incidents here. Okay. Three separate incidents, the Vegas incident, the Peruvian Amazon incident that we're talking about here and Phil Schneider's incident that happened while he was helping to build underground bases, an underground base under Los Alamos. Those are, these are three things, these are three incidents. I'm, I'm trying to draw a correlation here because I, I think we're dealing with the exact same beings. Go ahead. Now, I was involved in something very controversial, almost totally unbelievable to most of you. During the unbelievable part, I was involved in building another base onto in inside of Dulce, New Mexico, which is Los Alamos Laboratory. It's a biological laboratory. On the southwest part of the Archuleta Mesa, uh, we built an underground facility, a better part of three cubic miles hollowed out underground. Then to the southwest of that, we built, we were, we were in the process of the early stages of building, we drilled four large uh, tunnel-like holes. Some of them ran two and a half miles under the surface. Uh, number the early, at that time, number the original uh, uh, wells or dr uh, drilling uh, machines that were used were, were um, uh, at the rate of up two miles a day. It was fairly rapid. The equipment kept coming up broken. So we wanted to go down and we wanted to send somebody down there, a human observer, or human observers in this case, to find out what was going on. Well, to our total surprise, first of all, the government knew all about it. They didn't tell anybody. Uh, when I saw Green Beret and Black Beret people encamped inside of our geologist camp, I knew something was up, the gig was up. First of all, I knew all about the alien agenda. I'll explain that in a few minutes. The large alien greys had been encamped there for as best as believed possible about four or five hundred years. It had been one of their internal bases. And we'd, we'd drilled holes right on top of it. All the stinking air, all the black sooty air came right out as soon as one the first hole was sunk and all this soot came up. And Well, that's when it all, all the hell broke loose, really, all it started. Anyway, after we drilled all four holes, it took about a, two days to drill all four of them. And when you build an underground base, you drill four basic holes, and then you build you know, called stopes or cross-member holes across, and then you bla use blasting equipment, you know, special blasting equipment by the analyzation of the rock formation, and you literally blast out or tunnel out or, or deflagrate or melt rock out to build the large rooms that are required for this underground base. Well, in this process, I was lowered down the basket of one of these holes, and about from me to this elderly woman here in the front was sitting a seven-foot-tall alien gray. The stench was worse than the worst garbage can you can imagine. Uh, the person was at, or the entity was absolutely horrible. I didn't waste any time to reach for my pistol. At that time, as an engineer, I didn't have time to carry all the folder, all of one of these big submachine guns that all the sea spray and the yellow fruit and the, all the uh, outer perimeter and inner perimeter security people carried. I carried a little Walter PPK pistol with a nine-shot clip.
And this was in late August of 1979. Now, you got a regular suit of clothes, you got a regular clothes on, plus you're in a almost like a spacesuit environment, and you're reaching for a gun. It's, it's not the easiest thing to do, and then to pop a clip in it and start shooting. And I killed two of them. Yes, they're mortal, and they do die. However, in the process, uh, one of them did this. I re all I remember is that he just kind of waved his hand in front of his chest, and the next thing I know, this blue beam hit me and just literally opened me up like a fish. And every, uh, burnt, burnt my fingers right off of me, and it was some form of electrical force because the kind of like hit, being hit by a lightning bolt burned all my toenails off of me. Uh, completely crispy crittered my left foot, burnt the shoe right off of me. Um, all I remember is the smoking remains, and I'm laying almost, I'm still conscious, but in and out of, I didn't remember much. And there was a, a Green Beret that was right behind me that risked his life. In fact, he died. But he risked his life. He shoved me back in the basket and hit the button and took me up. And I wouldn't be alive talking to you today wasn't for him. I'm forever indebted. He lost his life. 66 Secret Service agents, Green Berets, Black Berets, crack troops lost their lives because the government, our United States government, lied, did not tell us anything about the alien threat. There's a war underneath there, and I'm talking dead serious. Now, it gets to the big question, if, if all this has been hidden from us, you know, everybody says, well, where's the proof? I've got some of the proof laying on the table. But a lot of you probably are totally skeptical. They say, well, I could be anything. So obviously, Phil here was talking about what he calls large gray aliens, seven feet tall. So there, again, correlation there between the Amazon incident, the Vegas incident, and they had some sort of technology. It waved its hand in front of its chest, and, and some sort of a beam emanated from this entity's chest and, and struck Phil, or rather technology around this entity's chest, and struck Phil and, as he said, opened him up like a fish. And you'll see that, you know, as, as he talked about, he, he's, he lost a couple of fingers. Uh, he lost some toes, and he got cancer. He had an aggressive cancer. Um, after that incident. So maybe you're right, uh, uh, Doug, in speculating that 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 man who whose face had been ripped off or whatever, maybe it was some sort of an energy beam or something. Maybe maybe the very kind of technology uh, that uh, that Phil Schneider was hit with there under the ground. So I, I, I find this to be very, very intriguing. Um, is, is it true that these tall, gray alien beings uh, have bases right here in the United States under the ground? Might they also have bases in the Amazon? Um, but it's important to point out that, assuming that these entities are real, that they're not, they're not, bestial they're not 
primal creatures. These are very advanced beings with technology. Yes, very ugly, very grotesque beings, but nevertheless in possession of advanced technology. Okay, so let's talk about, let's speculate. Assuming, assuming everybody's telling the truth, right? Let's just assume, let's operate in an environment in which we are assuming that Phil Schneider's story, the Vegas incident, and the Amazon incident are all true. And now let's speculate at what we might be looking at in terms of these entities. Now, I think the most obvious conclusion that we could draw based on the data would be that these are, at the very least, biological creatures in possession of advanced technology that are uh, not immortal and that are at least to some extent operating in underground bases, operating in beneath our beneath our the soils of America, perhaps the Amazon and other places around the world, that they have some sort of dwelling habitation there. Um, we, I think we can also assume that these same entities, these tall greys, are also in possession of advanced aerospace vehicles, that they're not confined to, let's say, the, 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 the underground, but that they also, because of the kind of technology on display in all three of these incidents, they're also in possession of advanced technology that would, from which they could derive advanced aerospace vehicles, in other words, craft. So, I think that's the most obvious deduction. Um, we can call them alien because they're not they're they're obviously non-human. So maybe non-human intelligence is the best way to describe these. Um, we don't know where they come from. We don't know how long they've been here. But but again, assuming working within the framework of these stories being true, we can conclude that they are here. And that they're not good. These are very nasty entities, and and they're they're doing things that are are they're harming human beings. Uh, apparently, there's this is this is part, by the way, of the, of the famous Dulce War, the um, the lore regarding this confrontation under the in the in the deep underground military base and and, and the underground generally speaking. Uh, in Dulce, New Mexico, where there was this large conflict, and 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 we lost um, we lost some of our contractors and military personnel in that contractor in that uh, conflict, and they were killed. They were casualties of this war with these particular beings, these tall greys. So, if that's true, let's let's now say that what I just said is true. Let's say that's true. Well, then my next question, my, my next line of inquiry would be, in what way are these beings related, the tall greys related to the small greys, the ones that we're more familiar with, the typical greys? Because obviously we're dealing with the same, we're dealing with the same uh, biological architecture here. They look the same. They're apparently the same, different, uh, they're the same species but of different statures so so i think we're entitled to then wonder if they're related are they related and if so are the larger grays 
actually in charge of the smaller ones? Do they create the smaller ones? Or are these larger greys simply the insectolins that we hear so much about in the abduction material? These very well may be the insectolins. It's hard to tell. I think if we could see the body frame, if we could see the, the arms, if they had spindly insect-like arms and legs, then I think we could determine that these are the insectolins. But I've never seen enough of the, of the, certainly not in any of the three incidents that we've been discussing. There is, there, there isn't uh, the kind of quality footage or imagery to, to make a determination if these are the insectolins. But Schneider calls them tall gray aliens or rather large gray aliens and i think that's an appropriate uh, description so that's one possibility that these are biological alien creatures alien beings that are either um that are either primordial beings from planet earth in other words they've been here for a long time and they've been inhabiting the um they've been inhabiting the earth uh, the subterranean world or they came here from somewhere else or it's both they they've been here for a long time but also they 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 go back and forth or they've come from somewhere else and they go back and forth to who knows where uh another planet perhaps the moon i don't know so that's that's one speculation that's one possibility and i would say in my mind that's the one that i would certainly lean toward now there is another that i find intriguing it doesn't necessarily correlate to these stories in the same way, but uh, was it uh, last month or a couple months ago, uh, Stephen Greer conducted a, what would you call it? What was it called? A, um, a conference. A conference in Washington, D.C., in which he brought forth, uh, he brought forward a number of whistleblowers. Some of them were military people. And uh, these guys had some very interesting stories to tell in particular. And I don't, do you have the details for this, uh, Doug? There was a particular gentleman whose story I would like to reference here. He was the Marine. Yeah. Do you have that video by any chance? No, I don't. I couldn't break down the video, but I got from the Daily Mail, I got the, uh, the write up on it. it it's an exclusive Marine vet breaks down 14 years silence to make astonishing claim that his six man unit saw a hovering oct uh, octagonal UFO being loaded with weapons. He presumed by unmarked us forces who threatened them at gunpoint while serving in Indonesia in 2009, former Marine Michael Herrera tells the daily mail that he saw a UFO being loaded with weapons while serving in Indonesia, 2009 Hera claims an air force Lieutenant Colonel told him you're not allowed to talk about what happened. You will go to prison or you will die. He says he was emboldened to break his 14 year silence by the new UFO whistleblower protections. And in April testified under oath about this story. Yes. And if I recall correctly, this story, this particular story that this Marine told, was linked to human trafficking, was it not? Yes. So he somehow deduced that these, that human actors, and when I say actors, I just mean human beings, were using advanced technology that we had successfully reverse engineered from alien technology. They were using this craft, this advanced aerospace, these advanced aerospace vehicles to conduct 
clandestine human trafficking operations. And they were taking advantage of, was it a hurricane? I think it was a hurricane that, that, that had struck Indonesia. It was a seven. And this particular Marine was there on, for a humanitarian operation. And it was in, it was in that context that he had this encounter, not with aliens, but with human beings who were, uh, who were abducting people and uh, for the purpose of human trafficking. Uh, yeah, it goes presumably on. for sex, this is the sex trafficking industry. Yeah, it goes on to say when a 7.6 magnitude earthquake struck Sumatra on September 30th, 2009, his 2nd and 5th Marines Echo Company 2nd Platoon was rerouted to guard a helicopter aid drop around Padang City that was beset by violence from local insurgents. Around October 8th, he and five Marines were dropped off at a clearing in the northeastern part of the city by a CH-53 helicopter and hiked 900 feet up a ridge to take their positions for the incoming supply drop. It was then that he spotted a strange object in the jungle on the other side of the hill. He says, I could see something moving and rotating. It was changing colors between a very light matte gray to a very dark matte gray, and it stuck out like a sore thumb. He said, oddly, they had not been given radio, so instead of calling it in, they edged down the hill in formation to investigate, and while Herrera snapped photos and videos on his Panasonic camera. He said the thing was massive, the size of a football field. The craft was rotating in a clockwise motion while changing colors. It had an audible hum to it like the sound of a transformer or a guitar amp. It was oct octagonal in shape with a pyramid at the top of it that was also black. It had scales that were on the outside of the craft that covered the whole craft. It had and by scales and by scales. Do you think he means that, that angular body armor? Um, you know, the way that they have it depicted in the picture, it almost looks like it was plating stacked on top of each other. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. He says that it had seams and sharp edges, which he says, which is untypical, which is right, which is, which is not typical of uh, the alien craft. The alien craft seems to be almost molded from a single, uh, single metal, single uh, um, material. Right. It was serious enough that Arrow actually took the report and accounted it in uh, their investigation. So, you know, I mean, we, we got to when you think about Marines, you think about the integrity of Marines and telling the truth in this and him being feared for his life. Um, the contractors that he said were there um, came down. He said that they were supposed they weren't supposed to be there and that they could kill them. Um, when the last two trucks finished unloading and drove off, he said that there were modified Ford F-350s that were beneath the craft. Uh, it's, it sounds interesting, but when I was a contractor overseas, that's what we drove around in was what we call up-armored uh, Ford F-250s. He thought they were um, dumping ammunition. Uh, they scanned their military IDs. They, they disarmed them. He said, uh, when the last two trucks finished unloading and drove off, the lower part of the platform rose off the ground to about 10 feet, and the craft lowered to meet it, and it came together into one piece. On the corners of the craft had lights that were changing between blue, red, yellow, and green. And it rose off the ground a little past the trees, then shot off to their left 
towards the ocean at around 4,000 miles per hour. Now, I don't know how you determine 4,000 miles per hour, but incredibly fast to the point that it's not natural. It's atypical, right? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it doesn't conform to any of the aerospace technology that we are familiar with, conventional technology. Correct. So, and what was the, what was the, do you have there the connection to the uh, human trafficking? Because that was the most astounding part of the gentleman's testimony. I listened to it live and my jaw dropped. Well, Greer said, because they were loading a certain type of box that had holes in it, that Herrera supposed that this was a box of ammunition or of weapons. And one of the other whistleblowers who had not come forward yet said that he had experience with the same thing and that those boxes were used to move people. And then Greer goes on to say, it's not just people that they were moving, but certain kinds of people with certain kinds of abilities. Greer goes on to then say that the people that they would abduct were ones that had psychic like abilities or right. the ability to project their minds out. However, you right. want to cut that. Right. Which is what I've speculated that is a, that makes people candidates for abduction, alien abduction as well. So, okay, so now we've set up the second scenario. The first one being um, genuine aliens, or at least uh, um, biological entities, non-human biological entities. Um, now, this scenario would be that what we have here in all three of these circumstances. Let's even let's let's even um, set aside Schneider's experience and let's focus specifically on this incident in the jungle, that what we have here are human actors who are in possession of advanced technology, who for some reason or other are terrorizing this village and are attempting to harvest apparently young ladies for human trafficking purposes. That's also on the table as a possibility. And of course, we have another possibility, which is the whole thing is fake. Not fake, but rather perhaps just completely... Um, exaggerated and these people have seen something but it's not anything like what they thought they saw that's of course a possibility as well but that's the most uninteresting possibility so so th this could be human trafficking it could be human beings in possession of advanced technology which is in my estimation far more terrifying and deplorable uh, than than some kind of alien activity uh, because this would be this would be human beings harvesting other human beings for slavery, for sex slavery, and organs and whatever else. Um, so that is certainly within the realm of possibility, um, and again correlates to this story that uh, that the Marine told at Greer's conference in Washington D.C. So we have some interesting components in play here. I gravitate towards the first speculation that these are. The same beings that that uh, Phil Schneider encountered under the ground, as he was working on the underground bases, and and the same beings that were encountered in Vegas, assuming that was that that actually happened, it wasn't a hoax or something. So, um, and then of course, in the background of all this is my own experience in the jungle, um, my experience with these with these jungle people who do, by the way tend to exaggerate stories. There's, I can't deny that. Um, these jungle folk do, do engage in exaggeration frequently, um, but clearly they were legitimately, authentically terrorized in the videos. 
And I do believe that they captured something on film there that they were flashing that flashlight on. And I and I further, I, I believe it was gray alien. Well, let me seven ask, foot tall, large let ask, gray. Let me ask you: You lived with these people? Are these the type of people that know about TikTok clout and trying to gain money or revenue? No, no, no. There would be nothing boost. like that there. I mean, they would probably have Instagram accounts or whatever because uh they would have very 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 slow internet on their phones maybe and it would be some sort of satellite based internet you're certainly not going to have any kind of uh traditional internet access out there um it would have to be through the it would have to be satellite or unlikely satellite actually it would most likely be through the uh the their mobile phone their mobile carrier uh their their cellular carrier so um, it's not uncommon for people in the jungle to, in, in, in this day and age to have cell to have smartphones. Um, but a lot of these villages, people are too poor. Um, so they'll have a flip phone or something or very, very, very cheap smartphone. So, um, and they're not, from my experience, they're not, um, they're not, let's say well-educated in regard to ufology. As I said earlier, they know what, certainly they know what ufos are and this is another important thing to to talk about see in the jungle uh, encounters with ufos are ongoing always and there are some very astounding encounters with ufos aggressive activity from ufos for some reason in the jungle uh, and, and Iquitos is famous for this, by the way. That whole region there is famous for this. Everybody's seen a UFO, and some people have stories. And also south, uh, south of uh, this area, in the more south and into the east, on the border of Brazil, uh, especially around Pucallpa and some of those areas in the jungle, the Amazon basin. Still, uh, you've even had incidents where there's been aggression in which people are pursued by saucers and i even was reading about and and, and i didn't have the exact details so i didn't want to um, connect it to, to what's happened here in this village but um, i was even reading stories in which apparently recently a group of young a group of teenagers uh were being pursued by a ufo and which was which was projecting some sort of a beam at them and trying to pull them off the ground into the craft. Um, and this is not unusual in the jungle. I have heard stories like this in the jungle. I've seen many UFOs in the jungle, by the way. I've seen stories like this. I heard stories like this in the jungle in which there's, there is an aggressive posture, an unusually aggressive posture by these entities, by these craft, in these villages in which people are hurt they actually are injured through their encounters with ufos and with and with the beings um that's not it does happen in other parts of the world but but maybe because of the seclusion of the amazon maybe they they can afford to be more aggressive without um, without drawing too much attention whereas if they were aggressive if there was aggressive encounters in the united states there'd be a lot more attention um, but a way out in the middle of the Amazon, I mean, but by the way, this is, as I said, I want, I want to make sure people understand that this is, these stories are very common. And this particular area of Peru, of the Amazon, is very, very active in terms of, of UFOs. There's something interesting. I know there was a famous case in Brazil. I don't have the particulars in front of me. 
but there was a police officer, a local police officer uh, or a soldier. Uh, they were on a patrol. This guy was like left alone for whatever reason. And he was uh, chased through the jungle, hit by a light, abducted, and showed back up a couple of days later because they had this huge search party for him. And uh, there's a documentary that was made. I, I think you can find mm-hmm. it on Amazon. And the guy goes and actually talks to his sisters. I think the the uh, the soldier ended up dying. If I'm correct. Yeah, there's yeah, there's quite a lot of stories like that from Brazil, actually. So here's another thing. We know from at least here in Northern America, the abduction phenomena involves particularly mainly the little grays grabbing you by the hand and leading you out of the house or or you're being sucked out of your house much more gentle procedures much more gentle you don't hear stories about light aliens yeah you don't you don't hear stories about these large creatures with claws um what what do you make of that the 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 girl who was lacerated in the throat uh, I mean, could that have been a big, Could that have been a big cat? Possibly, it could be anything. Of course, it could be anything. It could be ayahuasca, a bad ayahuasca trip, for all we know. <laughs> um, but it is interesting that she had those lacerations on her neck um, that she claims happened during her struggle to get away from these beings. So, assume, assumedly, they were. They, they they had her in her in their in their in their clasp in their in their grip and she she broke away uh, you get the feeling that that we're not talking about her being captured in some sort of technology like a beam of light rather actually having a physical altercation with the entities so it does make you wonder That's how she received those those lacerations on her neck was it through the fingernails claws or some sort of technology or in the midst of her breaking away and scrambling around in the jungle, was she cut simply by the by the foliage uh, in the jungle, which is a distinct possibility. Uh, there's a lot of trees and, and branches in the jungle that are full of spikes, and there's a lot of nasty thorns, so it wouldn't surprise me. But um, her testimony is that she was captured. They covertly grabbed her. She must have been you know, walking around in the outskirts of the village or something. I don't know the context, but they grabbed her. She freaked out, screaming, yelling, uh, broke away and ran back into the village. And this is what really began the villagers. This this raised the alarm in the village. This is why they all came out with their rifles and their shotguns and with their flashlights and began to try and look into, and probably in their man, in their minds to apprehend the, the perpetrator, probably, you know, someone who tried to rape her in their minds, I would imagine right and instead they start to see these strange beings which we've previously described um to their great astonishment and remember this village demanded these villagers demanded the intervention of the navy not just the police the navy and the navy showed up and is there on the scene as far as i know yeah and this was and this was a progression of events this this wasn't you know, something over the series of months that we've uh, learned so far. This has been within just the past couple of weeks. Uh, yes, it's uh, th- mid to late July. It was it was uh, it was unfolding over uh, various weeks, and uh, this the villagers were were having to stay up all night. They were being terrorized, and 
evidently, evidently, there were multiple attempts uh, by these entities to make an incursion and 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 abduct some of these uh, some of these people. Now, it would be very interesting if we could, or perhaps one of the listeners could track down the origin of that video of the man with his face ripped off. And, it, and, and, and if we can verify that it has a direct connection to this incident, that would be very compelling. As far as I know, and what the news is reporting in Peru, only that one 15-year-old girl was injured. So uh, unless another man was killed uh, and and they don't want and they and they don't want to cause panic and they don't want to cause more uh, they don't want people to be more alarmed than they already are and they and they're not telling people about it that 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 was likely another incident um from who knows when but if that is indeed if that video of that man with his face gone that is indeed the result of an encounter with a pelacata with a I just forgot uh, that uh Translation in English: the, the face peelers. The, the face peeler. The face. Peeler. I was going to say the face ripper. I wanted to say face ripper, and I thought, no, that's not. Pele isn't rip; it's peel. So, but the face peeler. If that is indeed the result of an encounter with a face peeler, then we are dealing with something truly, uh, truly disturbing. I want to get. Uh, you, I want to get your and opinion. frightening. I want to get your opinion on this report. This is a declassified CIA report that I've had. I've gone over it before. I don't really know too much to make out of it, but this comes from the KGB uh, stationed in Ukraine back in 93. So what this says is after Mikhail Gorbachev dissolved in 1991, the KGB top secret intelligence administration, a lot of material from that department found their way abroad, in particular to the CIA. As reported by the authoritative uh, magazine, Canadian Weekly World News, U.S. intelligence obtained a 250-page file on the attack by a UFO on a military unit in Siberia. And there are a ton of reports of UFO uh, contacts in Siberia that I've now found. The file contains not only many documentary uh, photographs and drawings, but also testimonies by actual participants in the events. One of the CIA representatives referred to this case as a horrific picture of revenge on the part of extraterrestrial creatures, a picture that makes one's blood freeze. According to the KGB materials, a quiet, low-flying spaceship in the shape of a saucer appeared above a military unit that was conducting routine training maneuvers. For unknown reasons, somebody unexpectedly launched a surface-to-air missile and hit the UFO, old Private Ivan in his, in his RPG, hit a UFO, it fell to the earth not far away, and five short humanoids with large heads and large black eyes emerged from it. It is stated that in the testimonies by the two soldiers who remained alive, that after freeing themselves from the debris, the aliens came close together and then merged into a single object that acquired a spherical shape. That object began to buzz and hiss sharply, and then became brilliant white. In a few seconds, the spheres grew much bigger and exploded by flaring up with an extremely bright light. At that very instant, 23 soldiers who had watched the phenomena turned into 
stone poles. Only two soldiers who stood in the shade and were less exposed to the luminous explosion survived. The KGB report goes on to say that the remains of the UFO and the petrified soldiers were transferred to a secret scientific research institute near Moscow. Specialists assume that a source of energy that is still unknown to earthlings instantly changed the structure of the soldiers' living organisms, having transformed it into a substance whose molecular composition is no different from that of limestone. A CIA representative stated, if the KGB file corresponds to reality, this is an extremely menacing case. The aliens possess such weapons and technology that go beyond all our assumptions. They can stand up for themselves if attacked. This was declassified May of 2000. Mm. Well, that is quite bizarre. Quite bizarre. I think we are dealing with technology that for all intents and purposes appears to be magic to us. It is so far advanced from anything we have. These beings are capable of manipulating matter and energy in ways that we can't even conceive of yet because they have an understanding of physics uh, that we have not yet achieved. And so we are dealing with an enemy, a formidable enemy, the likes of which we simply cannot, we have no recourse. We cannot combat them and hope to, to, to defeat them. Um, and this is why. In my book, uh, Birthright, this is why I propose that all of this is setting us up for a scenario in which the human species is going to need to be saved. And the only kind of beings that can save us are beings who have technology equivalent or superior to the greats or to whatever other factions are engaging us uh, in hostilities. And... I believe that let's say for let's say for instance that uh, incidents like the ones we've been talking about and the one you just read there in that uh, in that report uh, continue to happen and indeed burgeon they they increase in frequency let's say that that happens here and that it becomes undeniable well I think the world will be faced as I said with a scenario in which we have an enemy with weaponry that is, again, so far advanced to anything that we possess, even our reverse engineered stuff, I would say, uh, that we could not hope to prevail against these beings should we have a direct conflict with them. Uh, and we will need allies. We will need, let's say, extraterrestrial allies to save us. And I believe that therein lies the deception therein lies the real danger for mankind because i don't believe that those allies will have our best interests in mind and i believe that if you are i believe that this this corresponds directly to the unfolding of the events that are recorded in the book of daniel in the book of revelation and generally speaking the end times the biblical narrative regarding the end times now um, if you're a secular person listening to this and you do not subscribe to the biblical narrative then what i just said perhaps seems ludicrous to you but there is a very uh, cogent framework here a narrative in which all of this fits and so 
I think we are slowly moving towards uh, a revelation, let's call it disclosure, that includes the, uh, the admission that some of these, at least some of these entities, these alien entities, whoever they are and wherever they come from, are hostile and, uh, and pose a very real threat to humanity at large, not one nation over another. And let me dispel a myth very quickly here. There's been some, some images being passed around on, on social media that show the vast majority of UFO sightings happening within the United States. And people are saying, why is it that almost all these sightings happen in, in the United States as if it has something to do with our government? Please understand that that's just because the vast majority of reporting happens in the United States. We have MUFON. We have the mutual UFO network. We have other we have other organizations that are dedicated to reporting and cataloging uh, UFO sightings and investigating them. And other nations simply just do not. And and do not think for one moment that there are more UFO sightings in America say than Peru or Bolivia or Ecuador or, or Brazil. You would be gravely mistaken. There are probably more UFO sightings in South America than North America. And I would wager to guess that that's, that there are at least an equivalent amount of sightings uh, in many other parts of the earth, um, including in parts of Europe and even the Mediterranean. So let's not be under this false assumption that the UFO phenomenon is localized to the United States. It is global. And the reason why I stress that is because, as we all by now have heard the, about the, the testimony of uh, David Grush, the, the ex-intelligence community official, officer, who uh, has come forward and has said that the United States have been, has been recovering and reverse engineering uh, crashed alien craft and the bodies and the pilots of those craft for decades. Do not think for one moment that that has only been happening within the continental United States. Every major country on earth has a crash retrieval program, every one. And they probably, there's probably an overarching organization, secret body, let's say very much like Majestic 12, maybe Majestic 12 still exists and is still that overarching body that is coordinating and overseeing the recovery effort of these craft. And so it may not be that these other countries, say Peru, are communicating directly with the United States Department of Defense, let's say, but rather they may very well be communicating with an international body, an international organization of individuals who are higher in terms of their knowledge on this subject, who supersede any particular nation. And that these individuals have been coordinating, again, the crash retrieval and the reverse engineering of, of the alien craft and the dissecting and, uh, and analyzation of and analyzing rather of uh, the alien bodies. So 
this is a global phenomenon. And if indeed there is an announcement in the future that it is also a global threat, which it is in my estimation, then it is going to require a, a global response. And people can make the argument and, and do incessantly online that this is Project Bluebeam. And in fact, they would, they're probably already, they're probably already furiously typing out comments here in the, uh, in the comment section regarding how this is just another Project Bluebeam operation in Peru, and they're just trying to scare everybody into believing that there is an alien threat so that they can formulate a global governance and enslave us all, human beings, that is. And I would disagree with the first proposition, but hardly agree with the second. In other words, I would disagree that there's a fake alien invasion, but I would agree that there is a strategy, let's say, a, a conspiracy to formulate a global government um, utilizing people's dismay and fear regarding an alien threat. Uh, I believe that there is an alien threat. It is real. And the, the best proof that there is a real non-human threat is the abduction phenomenon and all of that material related to the abduction phenomenon. All of that, in my estimation, indisputable proof, the evidence that we are dealing with a non, at least one non-human faction that is, is, let's say, covertly hostile because they're, they're abducting people. The, the project is, the abduction program is clandestine as, uh, as Jacobs always, Dr. Jacobs always stresses, it's clandestine, but it's, but it's also hostile. And so there's at least one faction. I would say there's probably three factions that are hostile to the human species. And, and they're real. They're, they're not a contrived threat. You, you see, Project Bluebeam is, is the notion that, that the governments of the world, or let's say the global cabal, is, is going to perpetrate a hoax on the citizens of planet Earth and are going to, through advanced technologies that we are currently, that the public is unaware of, and through perhaps some kind of uh, holographic uh, ruse, are going to pretend as if we are all uh, under this... We, that, that we are all being, and when I say all, I mean all of the nations, that we're being, that we're being assaulted, confronted by a hostile alien pre pre uh, presence, a UFO um, invasion, let's call it, right? And, and again, the problem with that hypothesis, with that theory, is the fact, in my estimation, that there are real hostile aliens. So once you have real hostile aliens in the equation, Project Bluebeam is irrelevant. It's entirely irrelevant. Um, now, I've spent a considerable amount of time talking on other programs and other videos on my channel and with you guys, with you and Dave and, and others, regarding how all of this fits 
more specifically into a biblical framework and and how these entities might relate to angels how they might relate to uh quote unquote fallen angels and so forth so i'm, I'm not going to retread that ground here we simply are out of time but um but i do i do have a a framework for that and again people can i can refer people to my well i will refer people to my book birthright um if you're more interested in that so don't think that i'm intentionally leaving that aspect out here the purpose of this conversation was primarily to discuss this this incident that's been unfolding in alto nanai in the peruvian amazon over the last few weeks that was the primary purpose of our conversation and not to uh, wax theologically about extraterrestrials and how they fit into an end times framework so um we can i will certainly on my video and i'm sure you'll do the same uh, doug put some links to some of the videos that we displayed here uh, that we featured in this conversation so that people can take a look for themselves and i would really actually like for the audience here to try and help us track down the origin and the context of that video featuring the man with the missing face let's say uh is it real can anybody find when it was created and uh and where and, and what the circumstances were, because that I think that that's a, a, an important piece of evidence here that could help to um, uh, that could help to advance the theory that that what these villagers in the jungle are saying is happening is indeed happening. That in their words, the the Pelacaras are attacking them, these extraterrestrial entities, and are attempting to abduct some of the villagers i know if we had the ability we would most likely be boots on the ground conducting our own preliminary investigation for this you know it's um i think like you said we'll probably see more of this we have to understand also that the governments control the narrative they control the disclosure of the events and they're also the ones who can hide most of this or threaten or kill the witnesses and to your summations, do you think the governments in South America, like what we have heard here in, in Northern America, are working with the tall grays? I don't know. I suspect that there is a an element of human society that is cooperating, that is perhaps even conspiring with one of these extraterrestrial factions. As, as people know, I, I do believe that at least some of these factions are of extraterrestrial origin. In other words, they come from somewhere other than planet Earth. I believe they have bases on the dark side of the moon, the gray specifically. I believe that there are bases in the interior of Mars. And there are some people who believe, who've come forward and who have said that they have direct knowledge of programs involving uh, underground bases on Mars, in which human beings, human factions, are working directly with the Greys for various 
purposes. Now, of course, there's no way to know that any of that's true, but I think as we move, as we move forward in time here, even the most fantastical stories may begin to, to become more and more plausible. So, uh, I am, uh, I'm not going to, to say definitively yes or no, that we're working with the grays, tall grays, by the way, there's, there's some confusion there. There's a, there's a, a group of entities that are known as the tall whites. I'm not sure they exist. That's based on a particular story, um, from is a particular the, gentleman is that the and Nordic faction, but that would be distinct from the Nordic faction. The Nordic faction would be the, that, that species that looks very much like us. Um, and, and then of course you have the grays, let's say large and small, including the insectolins, and you have what I think are perhaps the most interesting, but the faction for which there is, uh, for which we have the least amount of evidence would be the reptilians. And uh, I don't, I don't have any kind of evidence I can hang my hat on, like I can with the greys. And have any kind of evidence that I can hang my hat on as it pertains to the existence of the reptilians. But those are a few of the factions that are, are as I talked about with uh, Richard Dolan in my, my conversation with Richard Dolan last week, um, those are the factions that, that, that both Dolan and, 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 and I believe to be real. I mean, if we, were, if we were to have to say, yes or no, do these beings exist? Those are the ones that I would say, yes, those beings exist. Um, uh, but setting aside the, the tall whites, I just wanted to say that the tall whites are, are a completely different faction. That's only related to, to a particular story in, in ufological lore. Um, but the greys, the reptilians and the Nordics, those three, at least I am very certain exist. Um, although again, I have no, I have no evidence for the existence of the Nordics or the reptilians. The well, greys, we Based off your research, though, from South America to North America with the Native American tribes and the South American tribes, um, there has been a, a quite a bit of lore that you've uncovered about the reptilians and portals and things of that nature. Well, you have lores about reptilian beings, reptoid-type entities living under the ground all over the world, you know, the famous Nagas from India. But... Uh, but, but there's no evidence that I've seen. Now there's all kinds of stories of people and especially women who've said they've been attacked by reptilians and they have, they have the marks on their, on their bodies and lacerations and so forth. But, uh, but there's no way to, to determine whether or not they're telling the truth. Um, uh, but certainly there are legends of, of reptilians all over the world. And they're almost, again, they're almost always associated with like sort of the subterranean world. Uh, in Peru, there's a reptilian, particular God that was depicted as reptilian, or, or let's say perhaps even race that was depicted as being reptilian. Um, and certainly in Peru, there's all kinds of legends regarding the, uh, the human-like race, who they call the Viracochas. Uh, there's all kinds of, uh, 
of stories that you'll hear regarding the Vita Coaches uh, and their technology and their visitations in the villages of the Andes and so forth. So, um, but again, the only thing, the only, the only, and in my estimation, the only group for which we have hard evidence are the Greys. And I'm not saying that this video, by the way, and this incident in, uh, I'm not saying that the incident in, in, in the Peruvian Amazon or the incident in Vegas or Schneider's testimony is hard evidence. That's not what I'm saying. I am referring to the abduction material. Therein lies the evidence of the Greys, and it's indisputable, in, in my estimation, from my vantage. So I think that, uh, that we can conclude our conversation here. Um, we'll see what happens with the unfolding of these events, if they continue to unfold. If we get more details, we might jump back on and supplement this discussion. But I think we've covered the bases. Um, this is really one of the most fantastic stories I've ever heard. Again, it's, it's near and dear to me because this is an area of the jungle that I'm, as I said, um, I am very familiar with. I've had malaria in that jungle several times. And um, I've got a lot of friends in that jungle. And I've been deep, deep in that region on both sides, by the way, on both sides of the Alto Nanay, up in the Masan region, which I pointed out, and then in the lower part of the Alto Nanay um, on an expedition, uh, an excursion, let's say, into the jungle. So, um, it's very intriguing to me. And again, people are going to ask me, I know what happened to me, my experience, but I've never actually told that uh, publicly. Um, it was not an encounter with the Pelacadas. It was not an encounter with um, UFOs. It was a totally different kind of scenario. Nevertheless, it happened in that region. So, And I, I know that story because you and I sitting in Peru right underneath the uh... Uh, or was a Machu Picchu in the hotel smoking cigars. We had that discussion probably one or two in the morning. Maybe one day we can pry that story out of you. Anyone in the comments section, if you want to hear that story, give us a give us. A well, it's too subjective. It's very personal. It's very subjective. I have no proof any of it actually happened. It's uh, so so. It's it's uh, uh, to the listener, it'll just sound like a fairy tale. So, and I don't, I don't know how beneficial it would be. So that's why I never talk about it directly. Now, there are elements of the story that I do tell. Um, and no, I wasn't on ayahuasca. I never, I've never done ayahuasca or anything like that. I've never consumed or, uh, or injected a mind altering substance of any kind that I know of. Um, and in fact, I've never been drunk. And I'm not saying that to boast. I'm just saying that my frame of mind. <laughs> is uh especially during those days my i was 19 years old in that jungle uh and so again i had an encounter it's doesn't it doesn't uh it doesn't uh, directly connect to what happened to these villagers but it was in the same neighborhood so very interesting well tim thanks for coming on with us if anything happens we'll make sure ladies and gentlemen we get on here and we update you um Tim, I want to thank you very much for your professionalism and how much you're able to disclose on this. And, you know, for anyone listening, if you are aware of anything going on in this area of Peru, please make sure that you're putting it in the comments section. We are reading the comments section so that way we can also be updated and track down stories. And, and also, I would say for those of you who are curious about my, as I said before, about my, my, 
my biblical worldview and how all of this might fit into that framework. Uh, it's in my book, Birthright. So um, it's, uh, it's exhaustive. And, um, and so I would encourage you to, to get a copy of my book on Amazon, Birthright, the coming, uh, oh my God, I always forget. I always forget the subtitle. I made it so so long and complicated that I have to pick up my book and actually read it. Here's my book, Birthright. You find it on Amazon. Uh, the Coming Post-Human Apocalypse and the Usurpation of Adam's Dominion on Planet Earth. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. Please make sure that you like, share, and subscribe, and comment. Stay frosty, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Tim.